All right. Uh, my name is Aaron Rhodes, and you are listening to the Shuttlecock Podcast. We are sponsored by the Vinyl Underground at 7th Heaven, offering new and used vinyl at 76 and Truce in Kansas City, Missouri. This week on the show, we have two members of the Untuck Collective. We have Mazzy and Zoe, Hello. possibly better known as Mix Misses and Butterfly. Yes. And uh, how are you guys doing? Good. How are you? Well, I'm doing good. Um, so I guess just for, I guess a good place to start would just be like, what was like the catalyst for the formation of Untuck and like what, what really got the ball rolling? Um, do you want me to take that one? Yeah, go for it. Um, it was kind of like a, a whole bunch of things, um, I think from all three of our lives with Lorelai, aka Floor Violet. Um, and over last summer, we were just all, like, making music and, um, going to, we all kind of frequented the Uptown Arts Bar, and we would do, like, small performances there, and we just kind of joked here and there, honestly, that, uh, it'd be cool to make a queer trans electronic music collective, uh, and call it Untuck, which is a pretty, like... <laughs> it's a dick joke. Yeah, it's a dick <laughs> joke. Um, but, yeah, it kind of just evolved over over the span of the summer and then um, sort of culminated with the release of Flora Violet's uh, EP Possession. And we had an album release party or EP release party on uh, August 31st, right? It was, like, the end of August. Yep, the very end of August. And uh, we all performed our own stuff, and I think it just kind of, like, snowballed from there. Um, And, you know, we've kind of developed our ethos, our, like, philosophy behind Untuck over time, but it definitely wasn't, like... Like, in the... It just seemed very, like, in the moment in the way that everything came together. I don't think there was a point where until it was already really happening where we like sat down and we're like okay what are we yeah it sort of surprised me really um how much the queer community just like kind of gathered around us and it was kind of like for me and i i think you know zoe and laura life in the same way it felt like we were like kind of bridging some gaps and bringing the community together um in a way that I think uh, queer and trans people of Kansas City have been wanting for a really long time. Um, so to have like the trifecta, just performing one after the other, three trans women, um, I think was really special. And special for the crowd, special for us. And it yeah. felt like kind of surreal in the moment. It was like, well, we're, we're doing something. We can make something out of this, you know? Yeah, and it feels like, um, I think like as we've evolved, um, we've come to terms with this like kind of void that exists in Kansas City that we're we've been sort of like building um out of which is like there's a huge lack of like queer nightlife in Kansas City um you know not saying like that queer people don't go out and party but um in a lot of other cities you look at a lot of other cities and you see the nightlife kind of uh pillared by electronic music like dance music and that's really always been um like from the outset of house music specifically that's always been part of 
of making electronic music and making spaces to dance to it is um, that people just want a place to, like, be themselves and to, like, get wild. And uh, that was definitely something that I see it, like, with Alter, uh, Boy Boy and Bo, they've been doing so much in building that... uh, the queer nightlife and I kind of and we then we collaborated with them uh on New Year's it was cold as shit but like (laughs) we collaborated with them and so it's kind of felt like um we're just wanting to like really put our our stake our flag in the ground and be like we're here and we are making these spaces and we are celebrating like our autonomy as artists and as people like people social creatures and i think it's just like we're still learning what what it is but it's like that's definitely the underlying motivation behind it Mm. i feel like and you mentioned being at like awful house and altar when it's like any less than like 70 degrees is like not particularly it was fun. Like Ten below yeah. on New Year's Eve. Yeah, re-performed. it was bad. It was like, a Kim below zero. Yeah, it was. I had four layers of clothing on, and I had like hand warmers. <laughs> oh, I was dressed like Your Highness and Majesty. I mean, come on! <laughs> I had like a big silver jacket, like these big poofy gloves. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was definitely. It was and so then, cold. Like the the moment the performances ended, everyone was like, "We're out of here." Yeah, it was like right at midnight after midnight. Once the performance is over, the DJs came on. Yeah. It cleared out. Oh, yeah. Like, for all the shows I saw there over the winter, like, I felt like I was, like, being a wimp or whatever, but, like, I would just go to my car in between all of the sets I wanted to see and just, like, turn on the AC, the heat and everything and just (laughs) try to hang out in there. But, no. Yeah. And, um, but you're also talking about how, like, um, you're kind of creating this, like, community space for like queer and trans people in Kansas City to have like a nightlife scene but would would you say that like the the type of scene that you were a part of like was particularly negative on those ends or was it just like kind of the lack of like representation and like a one community spot i guess um it- i <laughs> I I kind of feel like it wasn't um you know with with everything happening in the world the thing like something like electronic the electronic music scene it kind of becomes a symbol for larger things going on so um I wouldn't say that that the experience was like negative um but like more specifically there's just a there's a stark lack of representation hmm. um and it's changing like really rapidly actually yeah. like now is like the time to be a queer trans or a queer artist a trans artist a female artist just like um cause it's changing really rapidly mm. um it's all good <laughs> and we definitely feel like we're part of that wave um so I w- yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't call it negative. It's just been like Im- kind of imbalanced, mm. you know. Oh yeah, and I know you guys have had like kind of a partnership with uh, Peter and everyone at Intelligent Sound. Yeah. And I guess something that kind of came to mind. Maybe it's like an obvious answer that I just didn't think about enough. But like, um, what made what like 
why do you think it's important that you guys have your own collective rather than just like you know kind of integrating into a larger one and making it like a more diverse uh group um intelligent sound is like really interesting because they've it's kind of with the fuck life crew uh which is run by rick Mound. Um, and then Untuck, and then there's also Wavelength, which is run by Thomas Wilson. Mm. Um, they're like sub labels, and so it kind of started. Intelligent Sound kind of started with like I submitted a song to Pete, and I was like, "Hey, I kind of want to release an EP this year through you guys. Would you be down for that?" And then, and then I was like, "Hey, Mazzy, Lorelai, you guys should come to an Intelligent Sound meeting." And so kind of the same way that Untuck evolved organically. It wasn't like we saw Intelligent Sound and we're like, we're just going to join or we're going to we're gonna join and start our own thing. It's just like we felt and they were encouraging us too to like create our own brand, create our, and they would support us, create our own event series. Yeah, we really flourished through Intelligent Sound. Like, yeah. Kind of like a child with a parent collective. Yeah, Because we're like a little baby collective. And Pete is kind of like Mother Hen. <laughs> and it's just kind of more the vibe and the stylings of music that represented our styles of music. So it's just yeah. kind of serendipitous that we just happened to be trans women who all made a similar style of music. And there was already a collective out there that represented that style of music. So mm-hmm. it just kind of clicked. Um, but I also think, too, that like um, we just kind of flourish through each other. If anything, intelligent sound is untuck, untuck is intelligent sound, you know. Yeah, and and intelligent sounds a lot more. It's been around for like f- for four years doing yeah, definitely. like really, we're just a little babies. And we've <laughs> we've only been around for like like the past year. Not even the past year. Honestly it's been yeah, since like August to October is when we that was like the formation period for us. Mm. So it's honestly intelligent sound has just been like family mm-hmm. like we have been able to yes we've like grown the three of us but we have been able to create a space um because of the platform that like intelligent sound and really like pete peter um wor- has worked so tirelessly like i recognize i think we all recognize that we're like able to do what we do because they've been working at it for a while and we've been able to come in and put our own stamp on that. And Intelligent sounds like a very inclusive and dynamic collective of people, you know? So I would definitely say that, um, yeah, that it's, it was more just the organic serendipity of the way things evolved and the way that Pete and Intelligent Sound has given us a platform to do what we do and now we really feel that like Untuck is taking off in these myriad number of ways and so to me I think the important thing is continuing to create that space for other people for intelligent sound like it's definitely like a dynamic back and forth like these two forces acting on each other but are also a part of one process it's I don't know. That's my mm. abstract thoughts about it. No, oh, yeah, it's interesting. And um, but I guess uh, to backtrack a little bit, like I guess I'm just kind of interested in when both of you got 
like interested in like making music and like going to the shows and stuff yourselves? Uh, well, I was a regular at Arts Bar for a long time because I was making folk music at the time and I was frequenting the open mic circuit. So at the time, you know, three years ago, Arts Bar was just like a fledging bar and the open mic brought nobody. So I was kind of involved in the open mic circuit. And then as Arts Bar began to evolve, I started noticing a, a queer scene kind of blossoming there. And then I started working there uh, and I was working, I started working upstairs at Niche. And that's where I was first exposed to Intelligent Sound. And I had already been kind of moving in this new trajectory and mixing electronic music because I always kind of had a love for electronic music and like chamber pop and the ways that freak folk kind of blurred the lines between electronic and folk music. Um, so then when I started working at Niche, I saw Rick Mounds set for the first time and it blew me away. And I, and I was already like super into hip hop and I was like, why can't I make work on, start working on making hip hop beats and trip hop and really down tempo subversive trap styling beats. So. That was really where that inspiration came from, through my trajectory musically. Mm. And I think that Mazzy and I, what I, what's so special about our working relationship is that that whole like journey that she just described, I was like on a very similar journey myself um, that collided at the at the arts bar. I started making music when I was like fifteen or sixteen. My friends started making beats and rapping and I was like I love poetry like I'm I'm a writer that's like what I've been doing since I was little and rhyming words just always appealed to me so I started rapping when I was 15 and like it's just kind of been a hobby for a long time like especially freestyle rapping that's like what I'm what I love and what I think I'm like really good at but as the I think as time went by um I just kind of, like, kept... I met people who kept inspiring me, and, like, music kept, like, kind of forcing its way into my life in this way. Like, hey, don't forget about me. Like, I know you don't think you're that good at it, but, like, <laughs> don't forget. And then um, I was at grad school studying to be a counseling psychologist in uh, at Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado, and while I was there, my first year, I just had this, like, major um, awakening slash, slash existential crisis about what I was doing with my life because I was racking up debt for going to this grad school, and I was on this trajectory, and I was like, if I stay on this path, I'm going to end up like this. And is that what I want? And it was a definite no. Like, so I decided to leave. Mm -hmm. And I spent a year focused on writing a novel, and I wrote, like, a 300-page novel, and I sent it out for publication, and I sent it to um, two MFA programs, and I was like, oh, I'm bound to get into one of these schools. Like, this is where the path is leading me. And I got rejected by both schools, and... I was, like, so broken that I just didn't want to write anymore, but I'm, like, I am an artist, like, I'm a creative, and I have to be creating. And so once again, music was just like, hey! Like, <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, uh, I have no idea what I'm doing with my life, but um, I'm going to 
put more energy into working on music. And same, I was definitely hella inspired by Rick. Um, and we had done a little bit of work together, and he rocks the SP404. And I bought one in June after he and I had a like a hangout and collab session. And that just like changed things for me. And I went from focused on just rapping to um, making, I wanted to like make my own beats and produce my own sound. Mm. And um, so that was kind of when things really started to intersect with Mazzy because we had kind of always floated around each other in that way and we'd make music together but it would never really pan out or I'd be like yo send me your new song and this was years ago and so we've known each other maybe like four years it's been about four four so five, long before five years long before I worked almost. at Artspar or Intelligent Sound or mm-hmm. any of this so um there was just so many things that kind of conspired to for me to be doing music right now. Um, and I would say that my style, I've seen her style and my style and Lorelai's styles of music all evolve based on one another. Like the, the trap stuff that Mazzy was getting into, we were really like, we were working on an EP and we were really pushing each other to get like more hip hoppy in that way, but also keep it weird. And so it's just evolved, I think. And now here we are. And yeah, I'm making house music these days, and Mazzy makes like 90 BPM weird shit. That's amazing. We, we pick on each other because she's like making this really up tempo house music, and it's it's good. I respect it. I just it's not my jam. I like really morbid music so <laughs> I'm like over here I'm mixing my like spooky really slow music and then she's over like <laughs> yeah. yeah different moods there yeah, just completely different moods which is funny because we came out of similar moods and I have definitely. found more joy <clears throat> there's in, definitely like, some crossover there yeah though. yeah mm-hmm. absolutely you were saying you were sending like music to each other like online before you even were like hanging out at the arts bar and stuff. Like, did you guys meet online? No, or? we actually met. Uh, I was working at Freebirds, <laughs> the Freebirds oh, nice. Burritos over um, on Westport Road, and Mazzy started working there. And the very first day, um, I was at the cash register, and I was wearing... Uh, I just remember this so vividly. I was it's because I've mentioned it so many times. Yeah, for real. I was wearing this white shirt with, like, a sequined cat print on it that was just, like, hello silly. Like, I would never wear that now. But it, And then I was wearing a hat that said nerd on it. And Mazzy, like, came up to me and was like, who are you? And, like, we just had this... It was just, like... It was and, very serendipitous and we instantaneous. Just, we w- and we're both Geminis, too, so we can get into these really long conversations. So even before we were, like, close, sometimes we would just get on the phone with each other randomly. And yeah, we'd we have these really late, long... late-night talks. Mm-hmm. And Mazzy was making um, Illusions, uh, the Moniker Man album, uh... And that was what? That was like... 2015? Yeah. That was, it was definitely more of a folk album. Yeah, it was the summer of 2015, I remember being at the arts bar, mm-hmm. and I was like, you need to send me some of that stuff, because I was kind of messing around here and there with music, and that's kind of... Things have just like... It's, we've, we've had a very weird and beautiful trajectory, and... 
it's in our relationship. It, it's wild. <laughs> but we push each other in this way that um, I really think, great. yeah, like, I feel like Untuck is able to thrive because of partially, obviously, like, Lorelai puts in a ton of work, but um, partially because of the ways that we play off each other and push each other and also have, like, evolved um, and kind of been present for each person's evolution. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, a couple of the other artists um, you guys have worked with are uh, Close Quarters and... Wait, um, who does Lavender Graves? Is uh, that? That's Marcia. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how did, um, how did you guys end up uh, getting in contact with everyone there? Is, is it just like kind of in more of the arts bar crowd and all mm-hmm. that? or? I didn't meet Marcia until this year, I think. Is everyone like still local though, or do you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We so we technically have five artists on the roster: Butterfly, Mixed Misses, Flora Violet, Close Quarters, and DJ Zana. Mm. She's amazing. She uh, does mostly like footwork, juke, some drum and bass stuff, a lot of higher BPMs. But everyone's local. And uh, Zana was someone who would, like, before I knew that she was DJing, she'd just be at Intelligent Sound shows, like, in the front, like, dancing. And we met each other working at a bar um, randomly, like, two years ago. So I think that, I don't know how I met Marcia, but everything's been local, except for the artists that we've brought out. Do you you anticipate, like... You know, if you if you hear about like a cool artist from like somewhere out of town, like releasing stuff with them or doing that type of stuff, or do you like really value like having a local kind of crew? I think it's kind of both. Mm. Um, like we definitely feel our roots here in Kansas City, but um, I know I like I have been kind of stepping into more of like an artist management role for the group so and I totally see us like building and and working with artists all over the place to do releases and to do shows and growing however the however Untuck wants to grow I totally am okay with that and Mm. if that means hopefully that does mean putting out some really bomb releases from people all over who want to work with with us so we brought out Octo Octa in January Mm-hmm. Um, who's a trans femme, um, mo- more modular house techno artist, and um, she's amazing. It was a blast. We did that for a Wendy Carlos tribute show. Mm-hmm. So I think we really show like these kind of layers and kind of pay homage to the history of trans women in electronic music, while showcasing the local and also more established outside trans queer people of color and minority femme electronic musicians and DJs. Yeah, I think the big thing is is that we just want Untuck to be um, a, th- a thing that connects and uplifts uh, the artists that are involved in it. Mm. So um, we've been talking to a collective in Cleveland called In Training, uh, Internet Friends, who we just threw a chill house party with, Um, And just kind of, I think, while being rooted here, I think because it's so important, like, to continue building the scene here, um, 
you know, what's the sign of a great scene is when you can is when it's connected to a larger framework of you know, of of movements and, and collectives and so I think that yeah, we're we're down to for it to go wherever the hell it goes. Mm. And yeah, so the Mix Misses album coming out on the twenty fifth is called Pagliacci. Mm-hmm. Pagliacci. Pagliacci. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was reading up on that. I listened to the album the other day, and uh, I read like the little uh, the the artist statement that was like on Facebook and Instagram and everything. It was talking about how it's kind of like a metaphor for like validation and just this whole process. So can you tell me a little about um, how putting the album together has been like? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, on on a thematic level. The idea of the validation comes from the original opera, Italian opera, Pagliacci, and then sort of this kind of post-era phenomenon of, like, the clown being rejected, like the clown no longer being celebrated and this sort of existential philosophy of a sad clown. And uh, I wanted to use that as a parallel the narrative of the trans experience, because in doing that, um, in, in promotion, I reference Alan Moore's Watchmen and a quote from Rorschach's monologue about um, Pagliacci being, being the entertainer that has to go to the doctor and say, I, like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm depressed. Life is cruel. Life is harsh. It's kind of like the comedian has like, the most tragic life. The trans person uh, is extremely targeted and... Um, and conceptually, there's like this proje- projection on two trans women about how they should act, what they should look like, um, what it means to be binaried as a trans woman, and what it means to not be. And to kind of deny that validation, you know, uh, from an outside source like that, and to reclaim um, myself as a a powerful trans femme and also kind of like it kind of pulls it back into your face and it's a very subtle way patiently but at times the album reaches to sheer horror and at other times it, it becomes so vulnerable that you can connect yourself to the story and um, I've noticed I, I've seen all like the posts about it and everything like there there's a lot of like Imagery like that you use the clown imagery and everything a lot in like the cover art and the vi- the promotional video and everything. So like, what um like what kind of went into like what inspired like the way that the clown makeup is done and like everything else like imagery wise for the album. Um, great question. Um, I think that um I kind of had this idea or this visual concept. I couldn't necessarily like put into words, so I was working with my art director, uh, Austin Glasgow, and he said, "Why don't you create a mood board?" So I picked like five or six images for a mood board to assemble an art team. That's somebody doing hair and makeup, somebody did the photography, and then basically an inspiration to carry on through to the uh, shooting the teaser. Um, and the mood board consisted of, for example. <clears throat> Uh, reference Anne Honey's album cover, um, which my aesthetic and my style is very similar to Anne Honey, who is also a part of Antonina Johnson's 
is kind of more chambery, queer folk, queer freak folk, and then most recently more like um, art pop, uh, deep electronic music. And I also reference like the the alternative cover from Lady Gaga's Fame Monster. It referenced a painting, a Pagliacci, um, and it referenced uh, Jean-Luc Godard uh, and kind of his French New Wave aesthetic of taking something that was older and more noir and updating it in kind of a camp value. So there's all these levels and layers of prior art that I'm kind of drawing a reference to. Um, but it all is kind of used as a strong imagery to parallel what it feels like to be a trans femme in today's world. Mm. No, yeah. Like oh, a sorry. visible trans femme. A visible trans, yes, definitely. Yeah. No, yeah, and I noticed, like, there is, like, kind of a vaudeville, like, sound on parts of the album and stuff, too. Were you listening to, like, a lot of old, like, kind of soundtrack stuff or watching a lot of old movies and that type um, of stuff? I've always been deeply inspired by noir film and vintage film and vintage music, especially from the Weimar Republic, kind of like the 1930s, late night. I mean, we talk about like queers and like uh, electronic dance clubs. This started in Weimar culture, where the cabaret and where uh, burlesque and where like foxtrot and where like musicals were really born. Mm -hmm. And it was started by queer, gender nonconforming and trans women. and so there's kind of that parallel to that as well. Um, with the sampling, one of the samples is like 110 years old. It's from like 1908. Uh, and that's on the Catfish track. And so there's this idea of showing how like the past has become the present and how to take that into the future. So uh, vaudeville has always kind of played a large part in my inspiration. It really, really started when I was like, 16, and my friend put earbud in my phone, and it was Dresden Dolls, and that changed my world forever. Hmm. Oh, but yeah, I think it's cool, like, how uh, the the sounds of the album, even though it's, like, kind of such a, like, it could only happen in, like, 2018, but, like, it, it's cool, I think, how it kind of taps into, like, these kind of untold histories and, like, I don't know, just the, all that stuff in general. But, um... Yeah, also, so, like, there there are, like, a ton of different sounds that kind of get worked into the album. There's, like, kind of, like, the down-tempo electronic stuff, and then what we were, we were just talking about. So I was kind of curious what the process for the album was, kind of, like, musically, like, when you sat down to work on, like, a song or something, like, how that would usually work out. Um, well, <clears throat> honestly, I would sit down kind of with this idea in mind, of wanting to create something that would tell a story. Because ultimately, the way I approach music is kind of as a storyteller. So in the electronic process of it, a lot of the times it's like remapping, reconfiguring, and resampling sounds I've either used in the past or something I recorded like on a field recorder, or I'm sampling something I heard on an archive website that I bookmarked, and I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. And so I just kind of do... I kind of call it, I guess, a sound collage. I'm basically creating a map of sounds, and then uh, at first it sounds like chaos. It sounds like absolute noise. But then it's kind of like, you know, when you have a block of ice and you're like, you know, the ice chipper and you're sculpting this really, like, this thing that has to tell a story. That's kind of how I would approach the music. I would say, like, well, I can feel the textures of this, and I know 
that this lies in this kind of mind frame or this kind of story. The feeling <coughs> will eventually match the words or the words will eventually match the feeling. And so I kind of use that really strong aesthetic of emotion and cinematic value and textures and the sounds to carry the, the beats and the grooves as opposed to the other way around. So I think a lot of people construct the beats first and then they add like little accents here and there. It's the opposite. I'm making like sound art first and then I'm just kind of chipping away and then I'm like, oh, and then this would sound great with a sub bass. I really like this, you know, 16th no hi-hat. Like, I'm gonna stretch this, I'm gonna condense this, I'm gonna like throw so much reverb on this you won't even know what it is. Like, it's just sort of that process of like um, executing and mm. kind of um, sound mapping, I guess you could say. Mm. Oh yeah, I guess like kind of working backwards probably does kind of lead to a kind of a more unique uh, product in the end, I'm guessing, so. Definitely. I think that also um, on the back end, like on the later end of creating the album, um, if you were to see Mazzy's like DAW files, <laughs> it's fucking, it's stressful. It's I, like, I stress them out it's so really much. overwhelming, honestly. We have like three project tabs of like three different versions of the song with like multiple <laughs> layers of the same part remapped over and over again. Like one sample <laughs> on three <laughs> different tracks part. panned so many different directions and then like and so um in bringing the album together floor violet had a huge hand um in helping mix things towards the end and she wrote um, a nice bow on it they worked together really well to hone in on uh on the mix and also the track order and um, all of that, they really were working pretty hard towards the end um, before we sent them off to uh, Jay Pino, who is the sound engineer for Intelligent Sound, mm -hmm. who masters pretty much everything that Untuck and Intelligent Sound puts out. Uh, so it's definitely been... And now there's like this whole other layer where I'm working on the the live set, and I'm in, like inheriting all of these stems from her. And I'm like, oh, this is a lot. Like I was telling you before the show that I had to like upgrade my computer <laughs> and put in a solid state drive just to like accommodate the. But I think it's, it's, it's kind of what sound mapping is. Yeah. Like when you have like a hundred layers of a track in a DAW, like you're you're using that's basically your ice block, <laughs> and yeah. you're like chipping away by you know splicing these little samples, time stretching that, redoing that. And then it gets really confusing after a period of time when you're like looking through that, especially as an outsider looking in, you're like, what? This is like some mad science shit. But that's what's so great about it, I think. It is like, kind of like harebrained mad science music. Yeah. It's kind of like you could see like somebody, I don't know, I imagine probably somebody losing their mind looking at all those doll files. Like, well, and there's the attention to the, the attention to detail too. That yeah. is That to me is like uh, pervasive throughout the album. Is like a lot of every texture means something. Definitely. Every component has its purpose. And the way that I, that um, the collaborative efforts at the end were like really just taking all of this incredible material that Mazzy had made and just putting that final bow on it, like she said. So yeah, it's been a whole process and it's involved the whole the whole crew coming together for That's it. It's a lot of work. It's been and a close lot of quarters. Work. Uh, Thomas Wilson yeah. has some uh, 
some piano on Thomas it. Thomas Wilson plays acoustic upright piano on it, and Danielle Hinnerberg does the majority of the horn parts. Um, there's a track where Zoe and I had worked on this beat from forever ago, and I kind of re-implemented it into a spoken word monologue. Mm-hmm. Um, also, looking back and listening to it again, I'm almost getting more of like a Lynchian vibe, especially with that teaser. There's so much like David Lynch in there, I never even really thought about it in the process of creating it all, but it feels very like David... I, I mean, I think I listened to a David Lynch album that was very like circusy, clowny. Um, but yeah you guys see uh, Twin Peaks season 3 uh, I started watching it it was a little too much for me <laughs> no, I mean yeah. I'm not really into like the jump scare like gore stuff mm. I like m- more noir horror like I like the slow burn of things I'm more of a Hitchcock fan than I am a David Lynch fan yeah. like yeah. love Hitchcock I actually have never watched uh, Twin Peaks at all. Oh, that's all right. Uh, and it's funny because I directed the teaser and I were like... Wrote, Everyone's I, like, like, this is so t- David Lynch. And I was like, who is that? I sent it to my friend in Hollywood and he was like, whoa, slow down there, David Lynch. And I was yeah. like, I don't even... I know who that is, like, vaguely, oh but I've never God, actually we, so, seen his stuff. So we can't talk I'm not going to lie. Because, like, uh, you need to... Uh, yeah. We're going to watch a... We're gonna watch Mulholland Drive sometime. But shooting mm. that teaser was a was a fun little experience for sure. No, oh, yeah, and like like I was like I kind of mentioned earlier, like the the imagery of the album is really like I don't know. I feel like it's a really central part of it. So, like, are, are, do you think are there gonna be like full music videos and like is it gonna be is it gonna play into like the release show performance or anything? We or I specifically just kind of like had a lot of things fall in on me at once Mm. and my budget depleted a lot quicker than I thought it was going to. And we've been through all kinds of up and downs in our personal lives. So, I mean, we haven't really had the time to be able to like put together a solid cohesive music video, but we've definitely talked about ideas for a couple of the tracks um, Mm -hmm. that I think would work really, really well because it is very cinematic because it does seem to tell a story I think once we do put a polished product out there, it'll probably be after the album drops, but that's great because I think we live in this kind of society where everything's so instantaneous and then we forget about it. Mm -hmm. So like a week after the album comes out, I don't think people are going to be like listening to it and stuff, but I don't think they're going to like remember it for the visual aspects. And then all of a sudden that music video is going to be dropped again in another month or two, and then it's going to draw people right back in to that moment of the album where they first saw the album cover and they're like, you know, or the teaser and they're like, what the fuck? You know, (laughs) like horrified, but like surprised. Can kind of extend the album cycle a little bit longer too, probably just by like drawing people back in after the fact. Well, I'm no stranger to releasing like lots of video art clips surrounding music that I've made and released, whether it was like, a super DL release or it was a release like Illusions which was an entire film yeah well I think that the the whole process of releasing her album has been uh, a learning experience for all of us <laughs> it's been a tricky one um, but we definitely uh, have you know in front of us this really strong visual uh, mood board essentially with all of the album cover and the album art and all of the photos and the teaser so we're definitely you know we're definitely going to keep keep building and we've been like scheming about some 
uh, music video ideas that we've had. So things have been, yeah, life's been crazy lately, especially with not just with Untuck, but with Intelligent Sound and our, yeah. in our personal lives, like she said. <clears throat> so we're doing as much as we can to like put out a really incredible piece of music and surrounded by a really solid release show that's kind of our our where our focus is right now but the there will definitely be some more video work to come for mm-hmm. sure and um so this is like kind of the first like big full-length album to come out via untuck is yeah. that right uh so is there any other like releases that are coming up soon that people have been working on or um we're there's definitely uh there's nothing like there's no dates set, but Flora Violet has been working on a bunch of different stuff, so um, we'll probably be putting out an album of hers or an EP within the next year. Um, and I'm also working on some stuff myself. Um, and Xana's always putting out mixes, too. So um, I think the next big project will be Flora Violet's album release, and that's definitely still in the works but she's working on it like every day so and um like maybe maybe you do i'm just not familiar but you guys don't really have like quite a like a flagship show yet but you do kind of end up like kind of partnering and putting shows together yourselves at like niche and uh spots like that so yeah are there any uh well have there what have been some of the like more memorable shows you guys have got to like put together and everything uh, I think for all of us, the Wendy Carlos show that was, was I mean, yeah, yeah. The Wendy Carlos show is amazing. Um, if people don't know who Wendy Carlos is, uh, she introduced the world to the Moog synthesizer and was like very much involved in pioneering modular synthesis and hardware-based electronic music. Um, she scored. Uh, a number of movies. She scored A Clockwork Orange the Shining, and The Shining. Tron. And the, yeah, so like some really iconic stuff. And we wanted to celebrate her legacy. And we managed to get Octo Octa, Maya Bouldry Morrison. I think that's right. But she's, uh, <laughs> we just call her Maya. Um, she, she was just amazing. She came out here and like, uh, was just, like, the most down-to-earth person, um, I think, for our first, like, big show that was beyond just our own crew. Uh, she was definitely the most impactful person that we've uh, gotten to put a show on with. And uh, she killed it that night. She We brought her out to do a hardware-based modular set, and it was... It was intense. Like, I don't even really remember that that night because it was so enveloping that I think everybody was, like, so into it. I don't even... But that, for me, was, I know, the most memorable... It was a phenomenal for, show. For Untuck. Um, but then also just the things that we've been getting to do with Intelligent Sound lately have been crazy. Intelligent Sound and all its sub-labels, like... Um, Fuck Life has brought out some really incredible acts like Dr. Dundiff, Kiefer. Uh, we collaborated with them on bringing out Lena Fornia for the spring informal, Kiefer and Lena. Um, and 
Who else? DJ Manny brought, was brought out by Wavelength, and that was crazy because he's a he's a pioneer of of footwork in the tech life in Tech Life Records out in Chicago. So that was crazy. And then I would say, yeah, most most recently the biggest uh, the biggest one was that that was insane. We uh, like a whole community of people pooled money together to bring out. Uh, Lapalux and Daedalus, and it was spearheaded by Pete, Pete, Peter Anthony, like, hardcore. He rounded us up in, like, a matter of a day. Um, it was crazy. Because we found out that Lapalux was coming to Springfield months ago, and Pete was like, <laughs> let's get him out here, and a bunch of people, like, came together, and uh, we called it community service. It was also Pete's idea, and uh, Lapalux... And then they were like, hey, we're going to put Daedalus on this show. And for those who don't know, Lapalux and Daedalus are on Flying Lotus's label, Brain Feeder. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so them coming out, they came out on April 23rd. And I personally had, like, the the opportunity to just, like, kick it with them. Because I, like, uh, we went and got them food. And so a couple of us got to eat with them while before the show. And... Um, that was crazy because Lapalux, he's like my hero. He's probably one of the first people that really made me like appreciate electronic music on a deeper level. So to get to like <laughs> introduce him, uh, I was like, that was wild. That was definitely. And Ruminations is a phenomenal album. Uh, Ruinism. You're talking about Lapalux? Yeah, I thought it was Ruminations. The most recent Ruinism? one? Yeah, it's Ruinism. <laughs> Anyways, it it's was a, a phenomenal album. <laughs> album, and getting to witness that was, I w- that was otherworldly. Like so, everything has been very surreal lately in terms of shows, and we have way we have a lot more cool stuff to mm. announce. Like the summer is going to be a, a big summer, so we're excited for mm. all of the shows that are happening right now because Intelligent Sound and wavelength and fuck life we're all just doing cool things right now and i'm just like this is nuts i don't know how to even (laughs) handle it and the youtube the two of you are playing uh middle of the map fest this summer too right yeah yeah Yeah, we are uh gonna do a collaborative set Mm -hmm. um and that'll be at temple sounds on july on june 30th Mm -hmm. um and we get to be a part of an incredible showcase of, of intelligent sound artists, actually. Uh, Rick Mound's going to be on that. Lion, CXPA, uh, X Wilson. Am I forgetting anyone else? I don't know, but um, those are just some names, and we're really excited for that event. Nice. Uh, is there anything else you guys are like that, that's been announced or anything else you can talk about that's yeah, coming up? Um, the next big thing after Middle of the Map will be Awful Fest. Um, Awful House is throwing a huge festival, mm. and um, Flora Violet and Butterfly and Mix Misses will all be performing um, Mazzy's album, Mix Misses' album, in full for that show. That's a three-day event happening on July 12th, 13th, and 14th, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's going to be the next big thing. And then there's a big Intelligent Sound show after that that has not been announced yet. I won't say anything more about that. But yeah, there's just definitely stay tuned because there, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff happening right now. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, uh, people can... Uh, follow at shuttlecock mag on facebook twitter and instagram 
uh, can visit the site at shellcockmusic.com for all the articles. There's shellcockmag.bigcartel.com for t-shirts, buttons, and photozines. Uh, check the Facebook page for the shows we're throwing coming up. We've got some punk shows coming to Kansas City. And uh, make sure to subscribe on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Uh, where can people find you guys online? Untuckcollective.bandcamp.com is where you can pre-order Mazzy's album. You can buy a ticket. It's $5 online. It'll be $10 at the door. So, um, And there's also a $15 option that includes a reserved cassette. Um, and then you can follow us on Facebook, uh, Untuck Collective, soundcloud.com slash Untuck Collective, uh, Instagram, also at Untuck Collective. Uh, yeah. Uh, but the big one is untuckcollective.bandcamp.com. Check out Mix Misses' album. Yeah. May 25th. May 25th. Got an all-trans femme cast all trans of femme artists. Ingram, Ingrid, Flora Violet, Butterfly, myself, Lavender Graves, and Jay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys coming and being on the show today. Yeah, thank, thank you so you. much for having us. Yeah, no problem. It's been dope.